not ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Welcome to episode two of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell, the head coach, 2-0 head coach, joining me as uh, he did last week in studio with uh, an even bigger smile on your face uh, because... (laughs) First of all, Saturday night uh, was in dramatic fashion, and we're going to talk to the guy who was uh, responsible for that walk-off, uh, who also had a home run on Sunday in a little bit, uh, Pierce Blahoviak. But tell me, you know, we talked right after the game on the broadcast uh, a couple of days later. How do you feel on Monday morning after a successful weekend? Uh, you know, it, it felt good. Felt good Sunday. Um, you know, woke up today. It's it's back to business. You know, Monday Monday morning is kind of the kickoff for everyone. The the, the week is. Now uh, the, the to-do list is now ready to go. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was, what a great experience. You know, like the opening night, you were there, Dino. It was um, it really was electric. Uh, it's, some things, obviously, player performance-wise that I can remember. And, and, you know what, just the crowd, like the, there was a buzz. Like That's pe- what I was going to say. People talking the whole time, like amongst themselves. But when you get 3,000 of those people, like there's a, yeah. the murmuring and everything. It um, wasn't quite the buzz that was going on in Toronto that night uh, with the Raptors, but there was unreal, a definitive yeah. buzz in uh, at Remax Field. Yeah, Jurassic Park looked like it'd be a fun place to be at, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, no, it was great. Uh, Sunday, Sunday's game was uh, was kind of uh, one of those games that that we needed to stick with it uh, to 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 get the to get the dub. Um, you know, Lethbridge fought back on us. You know, we made we made a couple of mistakes. They were able to capitalize, and, and that's what good teams do. Uh, so Lethbridge were were able to bridge the gap back and 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 push it close, and um, we were able to, like I said, stick it out. Uh, we had a couple guys in relief shut her down for us, and and uh, got that second win. So what a great start, two and all. Really, at no point were, were there any goals set for how we want to do this. Uh, that's not really how my mindset works. Like every day is a new opportunity for our guys, and um, what a great come from behind win on Saturday, and then you know Sunday is a new day, and uh, now it's Monday, and and we've got some things to do as a team. You know, we're going to get some work done today, later this afternoon, uh, on a couple of the skills that. Uh, we want to improve upon from what we've seen for the first two days. So it's uh, back to the drawing board a little bit. Uh, let the guys kind of loosen up the bodies again and get into that kind of everyday routine. We won't be too hard. Tomorrow we've actually got a cool thing going on. Uh, we've got the Edmonton Police Service coming in to do uh, kind of a team building exercise Sweet. with our guys. Um, so it gives them an opportunity to um, you know, let our guys know about their their service and what they do for us, which is huge. Uh, and, and our guys will get a chance to do some things, maybe a, a little, uh, a few things that are outside the box and, and some of the stuff that the recruits do with EPS. Um, so I'm looking forward to our guys experiencing that, uh, you know, be, uh, an hour, hour and a half with, uh, with some of the EPS people and, uh, we'll get a light workout in there and then we'll, we'll get something done Wednesday night and, uh, be ready to go for Thursday. All right, here's how you can get in touch and be a part of the program. You can email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. On Twitter, at prospectspod, at jordanblundell4, at edmprospects. Check out our Facebook page, the Prospects Baseball Show, 
And you can check out our website, www.prospectsbaseballshow.ca. And, of course, for tickets and more information, theme nights, because uh, you got yeah, you had the Hawaiian Day yesterday. So, How do you, do you see uh, those jerseys? Those are beautiful. <laughs> uh, www.prospectsbaseballclub.com. This is what we got lined up for you today. We're going to go around the horn, um, talking about the opening weekend. Uh, a little bit of Major League Baseball news. We will have uh, Baseball Memories, which is uh, your opportunity to uh, you and a friend will watch a game in a suite hosted by myself. And one person from your group will get to take batting practice before the game. Pretty cool. Uh, we're going to do that. Uh, I think it's fan appreciation night we're doing yeah, that for. Yeah. So, so that's really exciting. So all you have to do for that is send us a baseball memory. It's pretty easy. Just email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, or uh, send us a tweet. Your baseball memory, at prospectspod, is the uh, Twitter account. So we'll do that a little bit later on. Um, we will speak with uh, Pierce Blahoviak of, of the Edmonton Prospects. Um, hit a home run on Sunday, walk-off hit on Saturday night. Uh, pretty good story. Looking forward to that conversation. We will talk fantasy baseball. We want to take you out to the ball game. We'll have a trivia question a little bit later, and we'll give you the answer to last week's uh, trivia question, and we'll do our uh, all-time team. We're doing center fielders today. We'll tell you all about how you can get involved with that as we go, and we'll wrap up the show with then versus now, talking starting pitching, then versus now. Hey, bada, 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 swing, bada. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, so let's get to uh, around the horn and the opening weekend that you had. Uh, you mentioned the buzz on Saturday night. I want to ask you about some of the aggressive calls that you made as uh, the manager, the, the head coach, particularly stealing third in the ninth. Uh, I thought your guy was out. From oh, my vantage point, yeah, yeah. tell me about that decision. Uh, good call, uh, Dino. He, he, I can see uh, my my first base coach kind of said the same thing. Um, the umpire made the right call. He, he did, did, yeah. He, On he the did, replay, you can did, see, he's, you can see he, he went for the leg and the foot got there the first. It was, was the in. right call, but so I was sitting right I down know, the baseline. Yeah. I thought I didn't. When, I as know. he was sliding in, I thought he was going to be out. Yeah, a little, little too tight, I think, maybe for for that kind of aggressiveness. But it worked out. It worked out, you know. And uh, when it works out, it's great. Uh, you know, something we've talked to our players about is mindsets and, and aggressiveness, and you know, there, there's. There, there's a there's a decision to be made. Good decision making is part of that approach. Uh, it's not just being aggressive to the point where you're you're getting thrown out all the time. It, you pick your spots. We're we're looking to pick a spot. We're you know, engaging what's going on in the game. What kind of information is the other team giving us? Uh, and if things start lining up, then let's push the envelope and play the game of baseball. Uh, so Tyler Maskell from Hendersonville, Tennessee, big play. That's a big play for us, uh, safe at third. And, and then, uh, you know, obviously the rest was a part of opening night history of the WCBL. That's the first game in the WCBL. That's right. Uh, so Your first win. First win, I, yeah. I, I said at the opening of the broadcast, I said the theme this year is new. Our broadcast is new that we were doing. The league has a new name. Uh, you guys have a new manager and coach in yourself. And uh, the other new thing that you like to keep going is a, 
a title, a championship. Yeah. And listen, we're a long ways from a lot, that. A long ways away. Yeah. That's ultimately yeah, for uh, sure. the, the end goal. So do, when as, as a manager, as a coach, what's... What's your thought process on that? Do you are you a numbers guy that says you know sixty percent of the time this isn't going to work, or forty percent of the time, or is it all situational? Like is the, you know your decision in the ninth inning the other night is that a, a statistic? Are you basing that on any kind of statistics, or is it a gut feeling? Do, Both maybe. Do you know that's all rolled up into into one decision you got to make in about five seconds? Right. You know, like all that stuff uh, is part of it. Knowing your players a little bit, like they just got here, but you, know, you get a feel for guys you know, right off the hop. Plus, we've recruited them, we've spoken with them, so it's not you know their strengths. It's not sight unseen, but you know it's different when you get them live. Um, a lot of different things come into that decision, which may may seem like it's a cloudy, tough decision. You know, when you're when you're living the game, it, it's part of how you naturally decide things. So a lot of information gets processed quickly, um, and and you make a decision on it. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, you know, we're, we're a team that uh, is going to play the game um, so far so good in that, you know, and, and outside of the result, obviously, do we, we, we want to be 2-0. and We love that. Uh, outside of that result, there was good decisions made from the player. So if it worked out that we weren't as successful as we were this weekend, um, that wasn't going to, that, that wouldn't change how we move forward. And it's not going to change how we move forward. Um, we're, we're, we're going to be a team that, that plays the game. Like I said, uh, if, if that's for some of the guys that can run, we're going to be aggressive. If that's for some of the guys that don't run as well, that, that you know, hunt specific pitches and, and look to do things with the bat, you know, that's just the way it is. So uh, we're, we're going to be aggressive as the game dictates uh, to us, and, and we just go from there. It, uh, it was fun. It was a really, really fun night on uh, on Saturday night for sure, and I'm on the broadcast again, uh, you can check it out at uh, yairtv.com. Uh, I'm looking forward to being on the broadcast again when you guys uh, take on uh, Brooks on uh, Saturday night. So we're going to have uh, uh, Pierce on in a little bit. And we're going to talk about his weekend because he had a pretty big weekend. Oh, but did. let's let's chat about some of the other, you know, may, maybe just give me, t- give me uh, you know, two, three guys this weekend. Uh, I know this is singling some guys out, and you're not going to get to everybody. Just just a couple of guys who, um, you know, impressed you for whatever reason that uh, you think Edmonton ball fans are going to really enjoy. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, and then the guys that got the opportunities uh, this first weekend, there'll be more guys get more opportunities to shine. So, I uh, appreciate you, you know, taking me off the hook there. Is uh, you know, I love all the guys already. So, uh, Matty Erickson. Uh, did a great job coming out of the bullpen. You know, we were down. You know, we really did need some zeros there. You know, there's no there's no denying it. You know, we can put pressure on him. It's like, dude, you got to go throw a couple zeros for us to give us a shot at this thing. And uh, Matt came out on the mound. He's a left-handed pitcher from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, uh, one, of, one of Pierce's teammates from Yale uh, came up and uh, got on the mound and, and went after it. Uh, fastball was working. A couple breaking balls were really nice. I mean, we probably spun a couple uh, a little bit short, uh, you know, like 58-footers, uh, which sometimes can be effective for your fastball. And uh, Matt was able to command it a little bit, but uh, he was right there with his fastball. He had a little zip on it um, and did what we needed out of the bullpen. I mean, you, you need to put zeros up. Uh, your bullpen put zeros up. That gives you opportunities, and that gives your bullpen opportunities to get wins. 
Um, and then when we get into our fantasy baseball section, there's a lot of wins that get spread through a pitching staff. And um, as we see nowadays, the, the bullpen's become, you know, uh, the, the major deciding factor in almost every single baseball game is your bullpen. And, and Matt did the job for us. Um, so Matty Erickson uh, did a great job for us. Um, you know, a, a player I think Edmontonians are, are going to enjoy, Dino, is uh, Tanner Roundy. Uh, Tanner's, uh, he's from Henderson, Nevada. Uh, he's a veteran, a veteran player. He's uh, had success, you know, everywhere he's been. Uh, last summer he was in a, a pretty big-time program in California uh, that won their, won their league. Uh, he's a player uh, from my alma mater, University of Jamestown. Play center field, left-handed pitcher. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, and sometimes you you look at a player like that and you're like, okay, you know, well, what's he really good at? And um, the answer to that is he's just really good at everything. <laughs> you know, he's he's that guy. Um, he's really smooth in the outfield. Um, I'm excited for Tanner's influence on some of our younger players. Uh, we do have some young players on this ball club uh, that uh, you know haven't had the same experiences yet. Um, that are super talented, uber talented players, and, and Tanner is uh, just do your job, uh, come to the park, pleasure to be around, great teammate, leader by example, quiet, and and you know you look up at the end of the day and and he's done something that helps your ball club, uh, really smooth in the outfield, something that you know like honestly it, it, it's a little Devo White, you know all of a sudden he's he's where the ball is. You know, ball gets hit well against us, and and you know Tanner's found a way to to find himself underneath that ball. So that's going to be fun. I I know that that's what his ability is. I like I got a chance to see him play a little bit uh, early spring and saw that firsthand. But um, obviously, with my relationship with his college coach being my college coach mm-hmm. back in the day, um, there's some trust there. So you know, Coach Hager says something to me about a player. I know exactly where he's coming from because we've been through the battles together and, and uh, yeah, really, really happy that he's up here. Um, excited for him, excited for this ball club. And, and like, really, honestly, like there, there's a part of that that I'm really excited for the young players to get a chance to watch him do his thing because that will rub off. For sure. We are uh, going around the horn here on the Prospects Baseball Show, episode two, uh, recording this on uh, Monday, May 27th. Uh, let's go around the horn in Major League Baseball. And we were talking earlier about uh, the, the sons, well, before we got on air, the sons of Major Leaguers. And, yeah. and the Jays have three of them. Obviously, Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bichette, Dante Bichette's son, and Caven uh, or Cavan? I think it's Cavan. Cavan Biggio, who went deep for the first time. I'm not sure if you saw his dad Craig's reaction, but it was pretty cool. It's priceless, yeah. And um, you know the Jays do not have a lot have a, a lot to be uh, excited about uh, when it comes to uh, you know at, at least the standings. I mean, uh, going into action tonight, they're 13 and a half back of the Yankees, so uh, it's probably not going to happen. But they do have some guys to keep you interested in, obviously Vlad and and now Biggio. Uh, and you know when when we we're going to talk about hitting your first home run a little bit later on in the program well, that might come up again. Eh? Yeah, but pretty pretty cool feeling for uh, Jays fans and the BGO family. I'd imagine to see that. Yeah, you know it. Uh, I, I, they've got a, just a really good young nucleus coming up. Uh, unfortunately for us fans, 
it might take a little bit, a little bit of time here. This might be a year that um, there's not a ton of success. But you know what? Uh, what's happened in baseball in the past, uh, recent past, so you know, ten years to the present day, um, there's been some successful franchises that have done this. That they've had a group come up basically together in stages, but the stages are within the same season from you know, draft to low A to high A, get some double A, and then they start spreading out a little bit uh, because of their development timeline. But once you get to double A, you're a call away. Um, and, and uh, you know, for Vladdy, he went up to triple A and got some seasoning done there. And, and same with Bo Bichette, and then Coven came up. And and, and it, it's it's interesting as a, as a, you know, a true baseball fan to watch the timelines that they have for these guys. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, yeah. At some point, you are going to have to bring him up and, and create a spot to find out if he can do it at this level, uh, because he was basically had accomplished what was needed in the minor leagues. So at that point, it's you don't want the the player to percolate and get stale. It's time to see him at the next level against the next level of arms. So a pretty exciting time, although the record is uh, you know they're going to be fighting to get that top end draft pick, which is usually a power arm, which is what they probably are looking forward to building their draft last year. Dino, they, they, uh, they got a couple of kids that can play the infield. He's athletic. Um, so not, uh, uh, by no means am I a Blue Jay lifer uh, super fan. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I would consider myself more in the baseball realm of a super fan and, and you know my feelings on the Expos and let's hope they get back. Uh, but uh, the Jays look like they're doing it right. Uh, if you look at what Cleveland's done and what they were able to accomplish and where they're at now, you know it was the same same uh, leadership that uh, that's in Toronto now. So, uh, fun time for for true baseball fans. Tough for for casual fans that see the record and and yeah, you know see the game the other night against San Diego. It went home, mm. went yardo on them about eight times, and <laughs> you got Luke Maley coming in on the bump. And you mm-hmm. know there's going to be some tough days, but there's also going to be that excitement stuff where where it clicks. You know, clicks for a couple of days in a row, and they'll be exciting to watch. So, um, they'll be they'll be around here fairly soon. You know, they get an arm or two if something happens in free agency that they're uh, able to maybe get an arm. You know, if you get Shoemaker going, um, which you know, who knows if they have him back. You know, they get that one or two veterans that they sign in the off season that kind of fill a spot. They've got decisions with Sanchez and Stroh. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do there? You know, like the the timeline almost is is kind of off with those two guys because you have to trade those guys. If you wait on those guys, like Vlad and and these guys, and you waste the assets that you have right now, that's unforgivable. You have to either say, okay, we're going to load up so we can take advantage of Sanchez and Strowman with these guys and put pieces around them. Or deal them for pieces of in the future that will develop at the same time as Guerrero and Bichette and and, and, they've, and they've made that decision clearly. Yeah, of course. You yeah, know, yeah. Kendris is gone. It's spring yeah. training. Pilar. But so, then now they have decisions to make on those two guys. Well, they're 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 gone. They're gone because the timeline doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So no. you're three years, yeah. three to five years away with this group right. right now. And Stroh and Sanchez are pitchers. You don't have that time. No. Okay, let's uh, look at. The Twins and the Oakland A's. This is so fascinating. Two teams that are red hot right now. Minnesota has won six in a row, nine and one in the last ten. They've opened up a ten-game lead on Cleveland, thirteen on the White Sox. The Oakland A's have won nine in a row. They are also nine and one. 
they're still six and a half games back of Houston. Like you're sitting there as a baseball team saying, we just won nine in a row and we're still almost seven games out. It tells you about their start and, and what Houston did. Uh, but two teams red hot that are in totally different situations right now. Yeah, completely right. Uh, we could, we, t- we touched on that a little bit, how Oakland's starting to do that Oakland thing they do in the summer and they're able to just, you know, compile wins. Um, Houston is one of those teams that, uh, you know, the Jays are trying to follow that blueprint. And the Cubs have done it. The Astros have done it uh, where they, they basically strip it down and they, they rebuild, you know, Carlos Correa, you know, a la Vladdy Jr. And, mm. and in Chicago with Rizzo and um, who's the other big bat there, Chris Bryant. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the blueprint now. You know, and, and if you get those athletic bats, you know, you get four or five, six of them that you've developed, then you go out and you target what you think you need to add there. So, you know, the Cubs went and got Hayward. The Astros went out and got a couple arms, Verlander and Cole, which literally could not have worked out any better for, right. for arms to bring into a franchise. They're, they're basically two of the top five or six guys in the in the big leagues, and they were, they were you know, fortunate enough to get those guys. So... That gives you an opportunity to win, uh, sustained winning. Now you know once the, once the kids come up, you got to put the arms behind them, uh, the arms that are give you a chance to win every night, and then the kids, you know, you just feel like confident that they'll come through with that. So um, the Twins, um, they're gonna. I think it's the Twins and Indians in that division. Mm-hmm. You know, the why I don't think the White Sox are, are. You know, they don't. I don't think they have the depth to get there by the end of the year, but uh, I wouldn't count the Indians out of this thing just yet. Their pitching staff is super talented. You know, Kluber going down doesn't hurt. Um, that freak injury. Did you see that highlight? Mm. Unbelievable. Um, you know, they've got some young arms, so I wouldn't uh, put it past uh, you know, your boy Jose Ramirez to rip off a, you know, a torrid month. You better of- not. I traded him. You better <laughs> not get good again. Wouldn't that be the case, though? Yeah, that would be. Tell us your best baseball story and you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and taking batting practice before the game. Okay, so we want to do uh, a little contest now here on the Prospects Baseball Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, This is our baseball memories contest. It's easy. You just send us in your favorite baseball memory or a few of them if you want to. Email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. That is prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. So you send that in. Um, Maybe it's you playing, watching, coaching, etc. We will have six winners in total. Each winner gets to bring a guest to watch a game, fan appreciation night from a suite hosted by myself, as well one person from each winner will get to take batting practice before the game. Such a cool situation at Remax Field and all you have to do is to send in your favorite baseball memory um work work we're using the actually I, I when I told you what my memory was I was a year off it's their second one for my memory so let I'll let you go first and uh tell us uh, we're, we're talking about Blue Jays World Series championships the two of them that they had what's your uh, baseball memory from that time uh there was uh you know so I was in grade seven um, there's a birthday party, a, a classmate, uh, had a birthday party and, uh, 
you know, all the kids are at this birthday party and, you know, it's one of those deals upstairs, downstairs and whatnot. And, and, you know, I don't think I was too good of a friend because I was trying to get, I was trying to watch the ball game. Um, and then there weren't, there weren't a bunch of baseball fans there. Uh, so I was, I was able to get down there and that was Halloween. Um, do you remember that? Yeah. It, it was on Halloween. Uh, so I snuck down into the basement and, and basically like ditched the party to watch this. And, and, you know, then the walk-off happened. It was unreal. My baseball memory today is the year later, 1993. Uh, my buddy Adam and I sitting in my dad's basement watching that game. And so he was able to go to the bar. He was 18. I still had a few months to go before I could go to the bar. So he was like, man, this is going to be the greatest party ever. I'm going to be at the bar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be outside waiting in the car for you to hang out. <laughs> anyway, we, we, I don't know if you remember, Dairy Queen used to have those rally caps. They were like, uh, but they were really small. Like the so ice cream ones with yeah, the helmet? So you could get the bigger ones with the helmet, but then they had these like little tiny ones. And we had two Blue Jay rally caps and we were like wearing them. <laughs> they were like just sitting on our head. And then obviously when, when everything happened and they won, we went so crazy. It was so great. And, you know, then he went and celebrated at the bar and I was like, all right, I'll just see you later. Uh, but it was still such an exciting night, yeah. right? I would have really loved it to have a couple of uh, clubs or OVs at the Unwinder that night in Brandon, but I couldn't get in. And uh, that's. But I, I just remember, you know, we were like, okay, we got to get our rally caps on. What do we have for rally? We got to find something like something, you know, goofy rally caps, yeah. on, right? You, you know, so the, all we could find was these tiny Dairy Queen rally caps. But it worked. It so worked. It, it worked. worked. You guys made the, the right uh, choice there. <laughs> got the blue. Uh, got Cito gas in another World Series. I, I mean, they, they probably should have sent you guys a ring. <laughs> for sure, we should have. Got, <laughs> we should have received rings for that. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Very pleased to uh, welcome in from the Edmonton Prospects as we take a little bit closer uh, look at the team now. Uh, left fielder uh, Pierce Blahoviak, who went deep yesterday. Uh, that was a, a pretty impressive. Pierce, first of all, welcome to the show. Um, I guess uh, w what's your uh, 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 first experience and um, impressions of uh, the city of Edmonton? Yeah, first things first. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, when I got here, it was uh, it was great community coming in, great city. I'm definitely excited to be here for the rest of the summer. Uh, first impression of the first game um, coming in there, the stands were packed. It was a pretty electric atmosphere. Um, first day B, I had my blood was definitely flowing. Um, but yeah, it was great. Uh, a lot of people in the stands. It was a lot of fun, and we're excited for the rest of the summer. Jordan, what did you see and, 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 you know, what attracted you to bringing Pierce into the Edmonton prospects? Uh, Pierce, uh, Pierce is a player that we targeted, uh, his likeness before we knew of Pierce. Um, so I got on the phone with his coach at Yale, one of his coaches that's, uh, going to handle base running and some offensive strategy stuff. So I was lucky enough to connect with the right person. Um, and we started kicking ideas back and forth. Uh, we had a Yale player uh, in our program last summer who had said some good things about us to the group that's there this year. He's a graduating player, so his, his eligibility is done. Um, so that's where the f phone call uh, initiated. From there, um, you know, I had to explain to Coach Shulman there that this is what we're looking for. This is the kind of team we would like to be, and, and uh, 
what do you have? Any ideas? Do you know anybody? And, and uh, Pierce's name came up uh, right off the hop. And I said, okay. Um, there were some numbers. I'm not, I don't want to embarrass Pierce here. There were some numbers attached to his ability uh, as a runner. We don't want to let the other teams listening to this show uh, find that out. Yeah, I, I, I in my uh, research, there is some uh, uh, at least one 24-year-old uh, high school record that fell uh, yes. underneath his feet uh, yes. from what I read. We'll get into that. In yeah, a okay. Well, I, well, if it's public knowledge, we can let people know. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, that, you know, obviously that's that's a big deal, you know, and then a uh, really cool thing for Pierce to have accomplished at such a young age. Uh, any record that's been around for... 24 years is and you break it you did something you did something special so you know you couple all that with the fact that uh you know i was being told what kind of person pierce is and, and you know, obviously he was recruited to a prestigious school for a reason um and then we got to talking a little bit and, and it happened fairly quickly uh with the help of coach shulman and the yale baseball program and uh, got him signed and and then you know just played the waiting game we're hoping we would get him you know got to track him um, and he played as a freshman which is something as well and he was putting positions to to have an opportunity at success and as a young guy that's that's all you can ask for going into a program and, and I think that bodes well for Pierce's opportunities moving forward in the game of baseball. We'll talk about uh, your swing on uh, Sunday in a second but let's just uh, talk about this track record uh, in the 100 meter dash you you were playing baseball and track at the same time which it might not be easy but uh, you know uh, maybe baseball is your first love but track is a, a pretty close second and, and what was it like to break a record that was that long standing yeah so for me I had never been a track guy I was kind of always the fast kid on the baseball diamond <laughs> um, but yeah I've been working on speed for five years or so running at a kind of a high-tech treadmill place you could call it and I so I broke the speed record there at 27 miles an hour on the treadmill and I thought you know maybe I'd test it out on the track compare see how fast I really am with the fast guys so that was where my decision came to do track and baseball at the same time it was pretty tough. I had to miss a little bit of track and a little bit of baseball. And of course, both coaches were <laughs> a little salty about that at times. But overall, I had a blast for both. I honestly think track kept me kind of upbeat about baseball and baseball did the same for track. So I had a, a great kind of double season in both. Excellent stuff. Uh, Jordan Blundell, uh, the head coach of the Edmonton Prospects and uh, Pierce Blahoviak. Uh, left fielder uh, for the prospects and, and I'm sure a few other positions as well uh, for the course of the year joining us here on the prospects baseball show let's go back to Sunday uh, then we'll go back to Saturday but Sunday uh, you went deep tell us uh, take us through the at bat and uh, you know what you saw and, and how it came out so that at bat um, I actually kept in mind my first at bat of the day I got a hit up the middle on a fastball in a 3-2 count uh, so the first pitch of my home run at bat was a fastball outside corner, and that's actually what I was looking for, and I fouled it back, and my guess is I didn't think he was coming back with another fastball. So I slowed down my timing a little bit and kind of was sitting on that off speed, and he happened to leave it up and in a little bit, and I saw it deep and put a good swing on it. Did you know it was gone? Uh, off the bat, I didn't. I knew it was a good shot. 
Uh, I knew I felt it really well off the bat, but rounding first, I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. So I, I was motoring a little bit, <laughs> and no, then I didn't. Is. I didn't actually know it was out until I saw my uh, my teammates strutting out of the dugout, and that's when I started the trot. What about you, Jordan? Uh, You're I on third base. Yeah, right? I wasn't sure. Just you know, it's early in the year, and I'm not sure what everybody's capable of doing. He crushed it for sure, but there was one player who did know it was out. Javi Ramirez at second. So I saw the contact, kind of looked at, looked at Javi, Javier was already in his home run trot at second. <laughs> so Javi knew that ball was gone right off the bat. I looked at Javi, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, he's right. <laughs> so <laughs> now impressive. I know. Yeah, uh, it that, was about three quarters up the scoreboard there. Uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, plate approaches. And um, you, you had talked about... Uh, uh, your first at bat, you had a, a three-two single up the middle, and yeah. then the next bat, you, it was your pitch. You didn't get it, and and then you were you were, were you what was the count when you hit the home run? I believe it was one zero okay. or oh one. My bad. Okay, 0-1. so it was the next pitch that you. It was a, like I mean, the the slowing down the the timing is so impressive to me. And the, the only way I can relate is MLB the show. My character, <laughs> uh, that's how I can relate. So I'm looking for tips. Identical. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what I'm interested in. Is uh, you're like okay, that was my pitch. I don't think I'm going to get another one. Like plate approaches, and are you a guy that prides yourself on? You know, the having a good eye at the plate, or is that something that you think you could work on? Yeah, it's definitely a thing that kind of develops within a person as they play through the years from Little League to high school all the way through college, and obviously the pros are going to be the best at it. Um, but baseball becomes more of a mental game the higher up you get, and I think the more um, you get into those higher levels, the abilities, the physical ab- abilities kind of level out, and it becomes more of a mental game. So that's where I think I've developed most as a player especially through my first season of college baseball is getting down the sequences. Okay. What did this guy throw to me last time? And what count is he going to come with it again? Uh, you know, what did I do my last day be that tips him off to what he's going to throw? So it's, it's almost a mental game of beating the pitcher and creating a balance between reacting to a pitch that you like or don't like and looking for a pitch that you want to hit. Hmm. What do you want to ask, uh, Pierce? What do you want to know for more from Pierce? Well, I think we need to find out, uh, you know, where his allegiance lies in in the pro sport. I know uh-huh. he's, he's from uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> so maybe we could talk a little Badgers and maybe a little Milwaukee Brew Crew. So, tell us about uh, growing up. Is it Nina, Wisconsin? Yes, yes, Nina. Nina. Okay, so yeah. Nina, Wisconsin. Uh, I've only been to Wisconsin once, and and it was a beautiful lake, which you you have in abundance. But uh, sports and Nina now. You you have a twin sister who is a high level. Uh, is it a ballerinist or? Yeah, she's a she's a ballerina. So she was doing ballet from basically from the time I was doing baseball. That's so cool. Um, your dad is a is he a chiropractor or he has a degree in chiropracting or? He is a chiropractor. Yes. Okay. And your mom was she in a was she Miss Wisconsin at one point? She was Miss Wisconsin '89. This is yeah. this is quite a family history, <laughs> yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah, That's no, pr- it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. like you got a lot to live up to here. Yeah. Your dad was a football player, I believe. He was, yeah, yeah. played football through college. So sports was obviously something common in your life growing up. What about teams? As Jordan was mentioning, what were your teams growing up, um, and what so are they still? I started off being a big Twins fan, believe it or not. Uh, that kind of came from Joe Maurer, actually. I actually caught through my junior year of high school, so outfield didn't happen until pretty recently. So Joe Maurer was always my idol. In fact, I remember going to my first baseball game. It was Twins versus Brewers. I was a row back from the Twins dugout, 
Jim Tomei came up and pointed at me and said, hey, you want some bubble gum? And there's a little 10-year-old I was pretty stoked about Hulked that. on baseball. That, that is the coolest thing ever. So, yeah, that's that's probably one of my coolest young bubble? baseball. Yeah, it was double, double bubble. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got two pieces of that. But <laughs> So I started off the Twins, and then as it got going, as Joe Maurer kind of went down from you know being the best catcher in the mm-hmm. league, I was focused on Yadier Molina. So then I was a, a Cardinals fan for a little bit, especially in the 2011 World Series when they won. He was kind of my guy. Um, and then I had to come back to the crew, especially right now. Um, that looked like such a fun stadium in the playoffs. No kidding. With the glass and, and just a. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad so, the Dodgers won. Don't get me wrong. But it looked like it was awesome. I'm a Dodgers guy, so so the, the, now you're you're uh, fully with the Brewers. Oh, yeah. and, and are you Packers? I, I would imagine. Gotta be. You, you can't you can't not like, be a Packers. But you fan. were a Twins guy. Yeah. At the beginning, so I was I was immature. A fine line. Yeah, I was immature at that age. <laughs> Glad you've you've come to your senses. <laughs> well, one of the cool things was uh, Pierce's family was here, uh, so they're Pier- at the game. Pierce's family yeah. had an opportunity to see him walk it off Saturday, and then hit the big home run on Sunday, and experience the crowd and the fireworks. So cool. we've laid the groundwork. Anyone from Pierce's area in Wisconsin will hear about how awesome Edmonton <laughs> is. Yeah. And how, what a great time it's been. And it really was. But but the fact that Pierce was able to have that success while his, while his family was here is, you know, uh, hopefully a special memory for them, mm-hmm. you know, forever. You know, and hopefully it's one of many awesome memories for them. I saw, I, I, I must have been your family or maybe it was an, another uh with your team members' family, because you you have how many guys from Yale do you have? Uh, there's four players. Four guys. Yeah. I saw a lot of Yale shirts at the game the other day, and I thought, wow, that's cool. So, what I really wanted to ask you is, what is it like to be the smartest guy in the room right now? Because <laughs> um, the I, two of us didn't go to Yale. Well, <laughs> the two of us together aren't. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I don't consider myself that wildly smart. Um, I would say I kind of just do what they tell me. Or, yeah. Um, what What are you taking in school, Pierce? Um, as of right now, I'm planning to major in economics. Um, that's subject to change, maybe, and through my sophomore year. But that's kind of the path I've been on my freshman year. It seems pretty interesting and useful for the real world. Mm-hmm. Real world coming up. Um, but that's what I'm looking at right now. Listen, Yale is a step up from Western Academy Broadcasting College in Saskatoon, <laughs> Saskatchewan. So uh, your your uh, IQ is, I'm sure, higher than me. And and the closest thing I get to economics is like debit card, like my debit card. So hey, you, my you, card's you, not swiping. <laughs> you've got you've got to step up. What's Yale like? Um, you know, was it something you always wanted to do? How did you end up, uh, you know, attending Yale? Yeah, so from the beginning, my parents always really stressed academics with both my sister and I. Um, it was always she also goes to Yale. Yes, my yeah. twin sister is at Yale too, which is nice. nice. She's she's my biggest fan. Actually, taking a quick little break here. Shout out to Reagan. Right on, Reagan. For coming to all my games. You guys and, live together at Yale? Uh, no, we're about four blocks away. Okay, but yeah, we'd see each other once, twice at least every week, which awesome. is kind of nice. But um, but anyways, um, we were stressed or academics were stressed highly when we were kids and all the way through high school and baseball was kind of used as a way to get me into that position. But um, obviously baseball kind of took over as my passion and that's what I love doing most now. And it just so happens that I can kind of have the best of both worlds with the, what I think is a great baseball program at Yale and um, 
it's obviously a mm-hmm. highly esteemed academic school. Um, but yeah, that's kind of always been the plan, and it kind of worked out perfectly. I don't think you hit a home run last year, did you, at Yale? I did not. So but you, you're already ahead of the game right now. That's uh, It's got to feel pretty is impressive. The, is that the first Woody? That is the first Woody home oh, run. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's special. I that's think, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's that's very very similar to when I was in broadcasting college and I hit my first ever slow pitch home run at a <laughs> tournament. Again, I know identical. Exactly how you feel? I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> the joy and elation is the same. It really you you have no idea. I could not hit for power when I was younger <laughs> at, at all. I was like a bunt guy, and to, seriously to see a ball go over the fence, like you know, for you know slow pitch guys, it's like oh wow, cool. For you, like, what was that? I guess, have you watched the video yet? I have not seen the video. I have the video. After we do this interview, I'll show you, and you can see the video. Uh, but what just what was the, the the elation on Sunday of knowing that you hit a home run, first wood bat? It was cool at first, and then um, actually I, I try to stay pretty even keel when it comes to baseball. Um, so what the stats don't show is on Saturday night before I hit the walk off, I actually struck out four times. Um, but the reason I say I would hit that walk off is cause I stayed even keel. So in baseball, I try not to get too high or too low cause every at bat is really its own season and every pitch I guess is its own season too. And you kind of learn a B to a B what adjustments you need to make. And obviously what the pitcher's throwing, we talked about approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that home run, I was elated. I was really, I was happy. I was, uh, I was kind of on a high for a little bit. But the bottom line was that the game wasn't quite won yet, and we had a couple innings to go. To, so I kind of tried to stay focused and take it to my next AB and stay focused and even keel throughout the rest of the game. So that uh, th- there's a special feeling when you connect with the ball perfectly. Um, Pierce, tell me about what that was like when you made contact. What 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 was that like out front of the plate as your bat striking the baseball, and it just kind of all happens at once. Take me through how that felt for you. So um, there are a few times in a person's baseball career where they can say that they confidently saw the ball touch the bat and see the grains on the bat. Um, I know they say in sports science and stuff that doesn't happen. But I would say you talk to anyone and they say, yeah, there'll be this hit. I definitely saw that. And this was one of these where I saw the ball coming in the whole way and saw it make contact with the bat. And it felt really good. It it was almost like I didn't feel it. It was just kind of one of those really good moments that I'm just going to remember. And it's going to be one of my almost perfect swings, I would say. That's so cool. And it comes the, the day after the walk-off hit. So I, I want to go through that inning with both of you guys. First of all, um, that inning and earlier in the game, your coach's aggressive calls on the base pass, as a, as a um, especially a guy with speed, but as a, one of his players, you have to love that. Everybody wants their manager to be aggressive or their coach to be aggressive um, until it doesn't work, <laughs> and then you get blamed. But as a player you got to love seeing the green light and the double steals and, and things like that. It, it, you know, I, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I think uh, base running is definitely a huge part of baseball. Nowadays, especially it's kind of developing. Um, you see more systems around, but it's great knowing that you got a coach who's going to send you in maybe some iffy situations. But honestly, I think that's the best way to do things. Cause if you're putting pressure on the defense consistently, maybe it'll cause a pitcher to maybe leave a ball high that, 
could help a guy out and put one in the gap and could score runs. Um, you know, you kind of live by the sword, die by the sword, right? So there are probably going to be instances where maybe it doesn't work out. But I definitely think that being aggressive is going to pay off and that it's definitely going to uh, work out more times than not here. And you can obviously see that through the wins this past weekend. So you have runners on the corners. You send the runner. How surprised were you that they threw? Yeah, that's you know, what you want. That's you, you well, know, that the objective, right? You know, at the end of the day, we're trying to get another another player in scoring position, so one hit can do can do the job. Um, we don't know enough about them yet to know exactly how they're going to play that strategically. Uh, I've got confidence in my personnel, those guys that were in those spots that uh, we can we can get that bag, that get that ninety feet from first to second. So. You know, a lot of that is on what uh, what my knowledge of our guys is so far, and that will grow as we get to know the players a little better. Um, so we were confident in let's try and do some here. Let's let's push the pace. That's how we're gonna do. That's how we're gonna roll anyway. So you know, my might as well get her going now. Um, miscommunication, and it's early in the season, so everyone, including us, all the teams are are working to iron things out and get on the same page of, of where they need to be, when they need to be there, and, you know, I think that was one of the cases that, you know, that happens early in the year, and, and fortunately enough for us, it provided us an opportunity to tie the game. Um, like I said, we were trying to get give ourselves the best chance at one swing can win this thing at home, um, so we were fortunate enough uh, to, to get that run and uh, you know Katz is a guy that can run uh, we know that about him already so uh, like like that matchup not just the pitcher catcher but you know the pitcher the catcher the base runner the timing uh, that worked in our favor so we went for it uh, Katz was safe he'd have been safe anyway and they misplayed the ball allowing us to score and now we've got uh, a guy that can run the bases in scoring position with less than two out so we've got a shot here and the game's tied so it, it takes a little pressure off the hitter. Um, I'm sure there's some self-talk going on, uh, as I remember what it was like for me when I played the game at, at this level, that you want to be successful you know, all the time. Uh, your ability to control those emotions and control that self-talk that, that we all have of, you know, are we doing the right thing, are we thinking the right thing, you know, that can get amped up when there's 3,000 people and you're playing in, in uh, a new market for the first time uh, for a new organization, all those new things happening, and you're trying to slow the game down, which Pierce alluded to. He gave himself an opportunity to right the wrong of the day. Like, as Pierce said, he, he maybe didn't have the best egg leading up to that, but we were confident in, in his ability to, you know, slow the game down again. This is just another opportunity for you to, to do some work. And, and luckily for us, uh, Pierce came through with a big knock, and uh, it was a lot of fun for me to wave, wave cats in. Uh, you know, seeing the ball that Pierce hit, it, it was it was it was smoked. So there there there's a potential for a play at the plate. Like, hey man, you want to dump one in there so we can walk in standing up, not hit a seed out of guy so he has a chance to throw us out, right? Uh, but it was hit well, so that leads to there's an opportunity for an out at the plate, and we're wait we're sending them. It's cats. He had a, a pretty pretty decent lead, a decent jump on the baseball, and and uh, you know the arm started swinging. We got the wave going. Uh, both three quarters of the way down the line, the game was over. Mm. You know, he's going to be there. And then Katz put a nice little show me uh, head first slide in there, which was lovely. And uh, uh, one of the things that actually, uh, you know, I had some family in the ballpark too. And 
one of the things my dad mentioned to me last night when we were just kind of chatting uh and reviewing the weekend you know my, my parents have been a huge in, in my life and they 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 supported me and, and they come out and they enjoy watching and they're fans um one of the things that my dad said he enjoyed most about the weekend was was how our dugout went after pierce at first base on the walk-off mm. there's a lot of guys that don't know each other yet um and they went and hunted hunted him down to get at him and in baseball that's a good thing they went after him over at first base and, and there was energy and there was hooting and hollering and and all the things you want to see and experience <laughs> you know for, frankly at the start of the year for that to to happen for us uh was a real good opportunity for us to come together as a group uh so that you know that what a great way to finish that night honestly and and uh for our whole team to experience that that's great you know, and again, like what Pierce said earlier, there's going to be some ups and downs. You know, that'll probably happen to us at some point. That's just the way baseball is. But uh, we felt what that's like to come back. Um, and so you put that in the back of your head. Uh, we are capable of, of overcoming some things late in the game. And uh, now we've got some experience that maybe we can look back on and rely upon uh, uh, as the schedule unfolds here when we're in that situation again. We'll be confident. All right, last one for you, Pierce, and uh, thanks so much for joining us here today. But uh, let's go through that kind of at bat from your perspective. Um, the the was you know what the game plan was, uh, any kind of discussion you had. To, you know, you, you had mentioned you you didn't have the greatest night up until then, um, but here you are with the game on the line. Um, you know, does the does the mentality of differ when you know there's a guy in scoring position and the game on the line as opposed to maybe in the third inning or is that overthinking it take us through your thought process on that at bat yeah I mean you kind of you'd like to say it's the same at bat every single time <laughs> yeah. and you're gonna do the same thing regardless but uh there's is that's just not true um but anyways my approach there was to slow down the moment to realize that you know every pitch was its own pitch every ab was a new ab and kind of disconnect that and be more in the moment and really try to take what i learned from my first four ab's into this last one and i got into a good count i saw a pitch and my thought was that you know i had tried, wanted to trust my hands and see it deep so my thought was that i had all the time in the world to hit a pitch and that slowed me down slowed my movement down so I could see the ball a little better and I let it get deep and uh saw it well and kind of punched it through that right side did you know that it was uh you know as soon as you, you, you like I I find you're like uh I don't think the fielder's getting to that it's gonna get through we got a speedy guy so you're like this is it we won yeah so when I hit it I saw the first baseman kind of do a little dive going for it and when I knew he didn't have it I was pretty sure the game was won um, and then once I saw the guys running out, yeah. that's when it really hit. It was really cool, especially having everyone out. Um, being the first game of the year, having that sort of chemistry, I think, is really cool. And the atmosphere was really, like I said before, it was electric. It was really cool. Um, I was zoned in, so I didn't really hear it. Um, but I remember when the run scored before, it was kind of a, a deafening roar. And it was cool seeing that everyone there was into the game as much as we were. And then after that hit... It was uh, it was just a really cool experience, especially have to the, to have that on the first day. It was uh, it was awesome. It certainly was. Uh, thanks so much for coming out on the uh, broadcast, and, and best of luck later this week. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. 
do a little fantasy baseball now on the Prospects Baseball Show. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Prospects Pod, at Jordan Blundell 4, and at EDM Prospects. Check out our Facebook page and uh, the website, prospectsbaseballshow.ca, and get more tickets at prospectsbaseballclub.com. If you want to email us, it's prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, but uh, the easiest way is get in touch with us on Twitter at Prospects pod um the two names i want to bring up in fantasy baseball today uh, dallas keichel and craig kimbrell because mm. when are these guys going to uh join a team i i have i have keichel sitting in my fantasy team right now just cooling his heels uh, hoping i'm hoping for a second half surge when he when he eventually signs and and kimbrell is out there as well these are two guys that could make a really big impact in Oops. fantasy baseball if they're on your roster or if they're if they're on the waiver wire right now. Yep, for sure. You know, uh, this may be something we see uh, again, uh, this timeline for these free agents uh, until the next CBA is negotiated. Uh, it's uh, They're sitting out there available because of the draft pick compensation mm-hmm. it'll attached be, it'll to be them. after June 2nd where they'll so most likely sign. We're looking at uh, early June. Uh, I wouldn't imagine it'd be too long after that. Um, I don't think this is related to money completely. You know, obviously there, there'll be some haggling and some grinding on some dollars, but uh, both guys are proven. There's some teams that, you know, I think Keuchel's more of a 3-4 now with the capability every so often of being a 1-2. Right. Uh, I don't think you're bringing him in to carry a staff, uh, but but for sure there's value there. He's a 200-inning guy. Those are rare nowadays. Um and you know what's going to work out nicely for these two guys is they may be a, they may be behind a little bit when they get back. And I'm sure they're working towards pitching this year. There's no question about that. But the, this is giving them uh, a little bit of time to freshen up. You know, they give the arms a break a little mm-hmm. bit, and, and the grind the grind for them won't won't start necessarily till mid late June. Uh, and that could be uh, a bonus to whoever decides to pony up and get these guys on their, on their ball club is that uh, it may take a little bit of while just to get up to speed. Not that they're not ready, but to, you know, to get the game speed where, where the big league is at right now. Um, but they, they haven't thrown as many pitches. They've got some more bullets and, and that extra little break for some veteran arms. I think Keuchel's 30, early thirties and Kimbrel's, you know, a year or two younger. It may be a good time for them in their career to have taken a little bit of a blow here. And uh, let the arms recuperate, and um, whoever decides to, to to go out and get those guys, though, is getting two proven proven winners, uh, proven guy at the end of the game. I mean, Kimbrough dang near lights out, and uh, Keuchel's got some playoff uh, mojo. Keuchel's got some regular season accolades, um, and and from all accounts, uh, clubhouse guys plus plus. So uh, you're getting you're getting a, whoever gets them is getting a treat. I went ten zero and two at fantasy this week, and uh, oh, went, yeah, and and I went from last to uh, fourth in my division. Still eighteen and a half games out. So yeah. I, it's just like I'm in, you know. But you just got to get to the playoffs it's, now. It's until so one weird. Week. Uh, you took it on the chin. You said this week. Well, uh, seven five loss. Um, it could have been worse. So you were too focused on the prospects yeah, instead well, of your fantasy. <laughs> I'm going against my strategy from up to this point, where fantasy baseball takes precedence over all things in life. Um, yeah, I've been battling. I've been battling the only, like I said last week, the vultures are circling a little bit. There's guys eyeballing some of my top guys, and uh, I hope I don't have a decision to make. I know we kind of talked about this uh, earlier today uh, about you don't want to finish eighth. You don't want to be that guy that's always sneaking in, in. 
And, and you know what? Uh, I, I got to get this out there right now. You know, Bryce Harper is killing me. I love him. Uh, he's killing me in fantasy baseball right now. That's a keeper. We're in a keeper league, so you kind of rely on those keepers to be top 50 players. Uh, Bryce is not that right now. Um, you know, and frankly, I, the, when I got him, I, tr- I made a deal. Uh, first and the third, and then the first and the third. I mean, I paid ransom, King's ransom for, mm-hmm. for this player, and um, that's that's hurt me in development-wise. So there's some parallels to real life with some uh, professional sports teams that maybe give up on their young guys and those draft picks too early. Uh, it's something for a young GM in fantasy baseball mm-hmm. to learn, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I'd have the opportunity to kind of load up if I wanted to and do a fire sale, but I'm, not, I'm just not ready yet, you know. I'm not ready to do it. Here's a tough decision for sure, but what isn't is going to a baseball game. And we want to take you out to the ball game with our next trivia contest. And all you have to do to get in on this is email us at prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Last week's uh, trivia question was how many Canadians are in the Baseball Hall of Fame? And that would be one, Ferguson Jenkins. Should be two with Larry Walker, but we'll have to see about next year. This week's question, uh, Willie Mays has the most home runs by a center fielder at 660. Who is second? Who is uh, Who has the second most home runs by a center fielder in Major League Baseball? If you want two tickets to the June 8th prospect game, email us prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. That is prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. The pitch. There's a long one to right field. Forget about it. This one is headed for New Jersey. High into the upper deck. Barry Bonds with a spectacular three-run homer. Who is the best left fielder of all time? How about your favorite shortstop ever? What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy. It's time to build your all-time team. And we close things out with our all-time team and then versus now. And, uh, Jordan, we're doing center fielders today when it comes to our all-time team. Uh, And how people can get involved with this is easy. Your list for the best and or favorite players of all time at each position. So we did right fielders last week, but uh, for our listeners out there, send us your team. Email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Uh, give us your all-time team at each position. So we're going from right field uh, down to catcher, DH, relief pitcher, starter. All-time. So we did right fielders last week. We're doing center fielders today. For the listeners, send us your entire team, either the best team, the best players at each position, or your favorite players at each position. Or you can do both. Uh, one is going to win. One person is going to win for the best team. One is going to win for the favorite team, and the winners will receive winter banquet tickets. Uh, we are going to reveal our team one position at a time. We did right fielders last week. We'll be doing center fielders today, but uh, a pair of tickets to the winter banquet, which is going to be a lot of fun. All right, center fielders today. Um, we might have the same center fielder. I'm not sure, uh, but. Uh, I'll let you start it off with who you think is the all-time best center fielder in Major League Baseball. All-time best center fielder in Major League Baseball. I was thinking about maybe going, uh, starting some controversy here, uh, but I just couldn't do it yet. He just hasn't played long enough. 
So I'm not going to say Mike Trout. Mm. He might be. Um, and I'm going to go against one of my, well, we'll save that for a little bit. Uh, I'm going Willie Mays. I'm going Willie Mays. Uh, just a, a combination of everything you need in a baseball player. Uh, defense, power, arm, range, big playability, you know, famous for the moment. Um, you know, all those things rolled up into one. I've got Willie Mays atop the leaderboard as the, the greatest center fielder of all time. Well, this is uh, not going to be um, the most exciting radio. <laughs> Uh, because it's it's hard to disagree. You know who I thought you were gonna go with, as far as uh, controversy was Griffey. I thought that's what you were going with. I can see the Mike Trout, and I think possibly he could get into the conversation, uh, into the you know the top three. Um, you know the Yankees obviously had some uh, pretty good center fielders at the uh, yeah, time. Mantle. You go way back to Ty Mace. Cobb, who was yeah. you know maybe the worst personality of all time in baseball, <laughs> but a pretty good uh, center fielder. But I, I have to agree with you uh, when it comes to uh, Willie Mays. Uh, you know, twice it seems weird that he only won two MVPs. Uh, um, he won one World Series, but. You know, his, a career OPS of 941, 660 home runs, over 1,900 RBIs, and the speed and power combination, like you talked about, Major League Baseball had not really seen that in one package before. So, and and, and you know, it, it helps when you make one of the greatest catches of all time. That that helps cement a legacy, no doubt about that. Yeah, and and like you know what, that that's the great thing about baseball is that that happened so long ago now. That's still something that younger players, you know, myself when I was, you know, coming out of high school knew about that. The kids coming out of high school now know about that. You know, it's the catch. It's one of the catches in, in the history of the game. So pretty cool thing for, for Willie Mays to be known for is uh, over-the-shoulder boulder holder, as the kids call it. And um, it's, it's crazy. We've seen catches like that since. Uh, they've become more prevalent with the level of athleticism that players are – displaying now but that was in the 50s was that 56 that i think catch? so yeah yeah you know that's that, and we're seeing that now and that's like it's, it's something that uh players are being um 54 54 yeah mm-hmm. but like players nowadays that are able to do that are beloved you know he did that you know generations mm-hmm. ago made it look easy so for my favorite, I'll get to your favorite in a second. Uh, I was looking at the Hawk, Andre Dawson, but I'm going with Willie McGee. No. Great Cardinal uh, MVP in 85. And like, I remember watching Willie McGee and thinking, how does this guy hit 350 when his arms look like toothpicks? <laughs> like he was the skinniest guy. Like he's listed at like a buck 75. I don't even know if he was that. Like he was the, sk- he seemed like the skinniest guys. Yet he had 18 triples in uh, 85. Led the league in hits. Hit 353. Was the uh, All Star of that year. Though you know some pretty good Cardinal teams with Coleman and McGee, yeah. and obviously Ozzie Smith and uh, Jack Witt. Speed. Just just a fun. But he was so he was such a fun guy to watch. And I was always like, how? Where does this? But it's like fast hit twitch tool. muscles that hit we talked about and things like that. So Willie McGee for me was uh, always one of my favorites. And I love that Cardinals have love steel. I love aggressive base base running, and that's what that team had. Yeah. Like Vince Coleman, oh my goodness. But anyway, so that's why I'm going with uh, I'm going with Willie Great McGee. Pick. Great pick. And um, one of the best names ever. Yeah, for Willie sure. Willie McGee. Who's your favorite? I've, uh, I've got uh, 
Ken Griffey Jr. Okay. I'm going with the kid. Uh, for me, that timeline was right when I was falling in love with the game. And, and when Griffey Jr. came up, um, you know, his ability, you know, he was hitting 50 bombs a year and uh, comes into the, comes in, starts robbing home runs and the range and the smoothness. And just, it, it was just everything he did was above everyone else. Everything seemed like it came easy to, to, to the kid. Um, you know, I remember the catch uh, going into the wall in right center where he broke his wrist. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, one of my be- best baseball memories was playoff baseball. It, it, uh, I remember coming home and watching the game right after school uh, here in Edmonton. It was like a 4 o'clock start. It was, that, it was the Mariners versus the Yankees. It was game five. Uh, which I can't remember, 95. 95, 96. Yeah, one of those. Um, and I watched that game straight through and Griffey coming around on the hit down the line uh, and sliding into to, to the plate safe, uh, which was a huge moment for Seattle Mariners baseball in the history of their franchise. Uh, and, and it was just like, it's just appropriate that that's the player who got to Got to enjoy the celebration at the plate. So I've got Ken Griffey Jr. as my favorite center fielder of all time. Good stuff. You can send your entire all-time team, whether it's the best at each position or your favorite at each position or both, email us at prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, and uh, you could be getting some tickets to the Winter Banquet. Let's wrap on then versus now, and then we'll look ahead to uh, this week for you guys in the Western Canadian Baseball League. And we're talking uh, in this segment about you know things that uh, are, are different now compared to uh, at some point in past history. And for today, we're starting out, talking about starting pitching. And I'm not sure if anything has changed more in baseball in the last maybe 10 years than the role of the starting pitcher. You know, baseball has had some of the same rules forever since, t- since the game began. Uh, and, not, and this isn't really a rule. This is just a shift in usage, I guess. And, you know, we, we're we seeing, um, you know, a, a guy going deep in a game now as uh, four or five innings as opposed to seven, eight, nine. Yeah, exactly. You're you're asked to get uh, a certain amount of pitches done. You're asked to, to try and hunt out a certain amount of outs. And, and you know what? We're going to turn the ball game over to uh, specific roles now. And, and we're seeing the opener. Um, which, which I think is the I, I hate it. You hate and it. I I I think it's, it's well. I kind of like it. I, I don't know. I I just like it. There's there are starting like Madison Bumgarner. Well, you don't need to open when, when they said like what what would you ever do if you had a starter? Well, I would walk out. I I guess in some cases I didn't like what happened last year when I think it was the Brewers and the Dodgers and they were throwing out the guy for one pitch. Like I think that's just. I don't know that. Listen, do I guess it, if it's in within the rules, it's okay. I just don't really like it. I hear you on that. I, I can relate to that decision. Uh, I, I've had that happen as a coach uh, versus an opponent. Uh, I didn't do the one pitch thing, but uh, I definitely played the the fact that that they like to go righty lefty matchups uh, for their offense. Um, and so I started a left handed pitcher. This is back in my uh, VIU days coaching. I went with a left-handed starter, knowing full well I was going to go to a righty slider guy. I wanted them to have to make the decision to start their right-handed hitting lineup, 
and force them to decide whether they were going to do that and match up without them knowing that I'm thinking this is this is 10 years ago. This is before opener was mm-hmm. happening. Um, and so it worked. Uh, we, uh, we went with the lefty, uh, went as long as we could, which was about an inning and a third, and it was time. You know, their trouble was brewing already, and and uh, so in a sense, it worked. Um, I mean, really, we were only looking for 30, 40 pitches from him, and that's kind of what we got. And then we went to a righty slider guy, uh, who had one of the best uh, outings of his college career, and and it was it was uh, nerve wracking because every count seemed like it was three two, and it was a battle. But uh, he had a slider working, and, and so now they have a bunch of right handed hitters in the lineup that we wanted that matchup. We got it. We were successful. We won the game. Um, you know, the, but do you think it's it's how kids are being developed now, uh, not to be able to go long, or is it managers saying, "I don't care if this guy's got a strong arm, uh, I'm going to take him out at this point"? Like, why the shift in starters not going as deep in games? You know, it, it, I think it touches back to the, some of that analytic stuff. Mm-hmm. Is, is how can we maximize this asset's ability? Um, at what point does this asset diminish on a day-to-day basis? Uh, how can how can we best utilize that? So you know you're seeing guys that throw 98 miles an hour because they only have to do it, uh, you know, 15, 20 pitches plus some warm up. They're they're trained to be able to execute that. So uh, you know you think of it like mercenaries. You know they're trained to come in, pump Chad, mm-hmm. get this guy. We're trying to get two, three strikeouts here because strikeouts. You know, there's less chance of things happening defensively, um, and, and now they have roles for this. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, moving forward if we see some changes with the CBA and big leagues and in in MLB uh, that includes a larger roster. And this is part part of the reason is you add another arm or two to that bullpen. So you kind of work through maybe you have two or three starters that you rely on, and then after that you piece it together. You got the long man. You try and play a matchup early. I don't disagree with part of the thinking. If you have a guy that is dominant or uh, has the ability to be successful, ultimately you want him to face the one, two, three, four, five. And that's who's leading off the game Um, versus a starter trying to feel their way through the first inning, maybe gets touched up a little bit and gives up a run here and there. So so that thought process of, well, let's go to our guy. They got three three right-handed hitters we've got a guy that dominates righties he's a one-inning guy well let's use him and then go to our starter in the second let him go five and now you're at the back end of the game and you can work work backwards uh managers in the big leagues you always work backwards your closer's got the ninth and then depending on some certain things but even in tie games at home you're going to your closer you got your eighth inning guy you got your seventh inning guy who a team that's really good at that's oakland with trevino Mm -hmm. and and trying and throwing 98 miles an hour that's moving all over the place so uh and they've they've been using a former blue jay liam Hendricks as an opener right who's now pumping 98 so you open you go with a middle guy and then you got trying and and uh, trevino coming in with 98 sinking and running you know that game's over you know so the first three guys you got to see 98 with the hook who most starters aren't coming out 90. A lot of them do. They're, they're some of the top end guys do, but you know, like most guys are in that 92 to 96 range, which sounds like you know you're, we're, we're picking away at nine. What's the di- well? There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, 98 is different than 95. All right, let's uh, wrap things up and uh, just take a quick look at your schedule. 
of this week. Home and Home with Okotoks starts on Thursday. Uh, the uh, home game, of course, will be produced by IC Video. Uh, you can get tickets at prospectsbaseballclub.com. And then uh, two-game set with Brooks this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. So that'll be a nice... Uh, little weekend excursion for people first pitch at 705 on Saturday night uh, just take us through uh, you know what what you expect from your team is this going to be a different looking team than we saw in the first couple of games as you mentioned trying to work different guys into the lineup yeah for sure uh, just real quick Dino let me uh, let me hit on uh, a couple of the events we got for those mm-hmm. games uh, Thursdays at Remax Field or uh, thirsty Thursdays a dollar off on all drinks uh, so there's something for the fans to enjoy. And then Sunday we've got a cool one. We got a cool one, Dino. Bark in the park. Yeah. So this is uh, what I like about that. You can bring your dog. Yep. Have a dog, and watch the game with your best friend. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, bark in the park should be fun. First hundred hundred uh, guests there with the dog. Uh, there's a little uh, doggy bag for you. Nice. A little uh, prize pack. Um, so come on out. Sunday games are all at two o'clock. Uh, Saturday night. You know what? We had a great crowd last Saturday. Let's hope for good weather. Let's get that. Let's get that buzzing again. Our it guys loved it. was a great young it. crowd, and they were all going out after excited. I was standing there uh, at the uh, uh, the gate when everybody was leaving the exit, and everybody was going out to party after that night. It was a fun. It was a fun young crowd. Yeah, cool, great. That's great. Um, so, talk about the team. Uh, yeah, little test here. Uh, you know, we're gonna have lots of tests. Uh, you're seeing teams for the first time. Okotoks has a history and tradition of being strong, and, and they will be again. There's there's no question about that. Um, you know, another exciting opportunity for our guys. You know, they're a rival of ours. They're, they're, you know, that's that's. I grew up in Edmonton and Calgary. You know, so for me, it's a little bit different than some of the local guys than the guys that have come in. Uh, and and that's not for them. That's for them to experience and develop themselves. You know, we don't go into the clubhouse talking about things. That we're, we're we're concerned with how we prepare. We're concerned with what we need to do to have success on any given day. Uh, the the opponent really ends up not mattering. You know, we'll do our scouting mm-hmm. report and we'll, we'll have some information ge- geared up for the guys to to use at their disposal. But um, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to prepare uh, like we we will, we will always prepare. Uh, so yeah, it'd be a good test. And then uh, Brooks. Don't know much about them. We really haven't dug into that scouting report just yet. We've we've uh, kind of done a done some due diligence on Okotoks so far. So. That's part of that Monday. We're kicking off mm-hmm. the time to get to work. Uh, we'll we'll break out the the Brooks scouting report and and bring the guys up to speed there. Good stuff. Uh, we spoke with uh, Pierce Blahoviak today, a left fielder for the Edmonton Prospects. Uh, Jordan Blundell, of course, is the head coach. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. And uh, make sure you subscribe. They'll automatically notify you uh, when they are available. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Prospects Pod. Join the Facebook page, and our website is prospectsbaseballshow.ca. Of course, you can get tickets for all upcoming games and more information at prospectsbaseballclub.com. Jordan, thanks so much once again. Thank you, Dino. Good luck this week. That is the uh, Prospects Baseball Show. Thanks so much for listening. Ban the shift. (laughs) It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game.